0: Hello, film fans, and welcome to the first episode of Film Review Weekly. I am your host, Jacob Blunden, and I'm joined by my wonderful panel of film lovers, Taylor Robinson and JTE. Taylor, how are you?
1: I'm great. I'm I'm ready to talk about a film that seems to be dividing people right down the middle. I'm on the fun side of it, which doesn't happen a lot, so I'm pretty (laughs) stoked about that.
0: JTE, how are you?
2: Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this movie because, like, yeah, it is decisive, and I can't wait to kind of work through what people are saying and what I took away from the movie. Going into it, I definitely was, like, worried, am I going to be one of these people who's going to come out like, oh, this is the worst ever, oh my god, this was so boring. Nope. I, uh, spoiler (laughs) for our review, I enjoyed it quite a bit, uh, and I even tweeted out about it, so I'm excited to get into it. It's a very dense, long movie. I was never bored, so I'm, I'm excited to like really get to the details. Uh, well, today
0: on the show, we are going to be looking at the latest from the MCU, Eternals, from Academy Award-winning director Chloe Zhao. But before we get into that, JTE, what have you been watching this week?
2: A few things. Uh, I saw a documentary called The Rescue. Have you guys heard of this? No. Oh, actually, I think I have. I think... It's on Disney Plus, right? I don't believe it's on Disney Plus yet. I think it's going to be on Discovery Channel. So it's from the same guys that did Free Solo. And a few years ago, there was those 13 or 9 kids that were trapped in a basically a cave during Monsoon season. And the world basically came together and got like... Remember Armageddon where they're like, we need the best drillers in, in the world to like drill this asteroid? We need the best cave divers in the world to all come together and try to save these kids who are almost two miles deep into a cave, yeah. where you have to swim underwater. I remember this happening; It was in the news a lot. I didn't know the details. I didn't know exactly how they got him out of there. And I almost recommend don't look, don't Google this. Just oh, go I can watch remember. this movie. I, 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 you remember? I remember
0: this story. I
2: remember this yeah. story you, very well. But do you remember the? You remember how they got him out? I.
1: <sighs> I mean, I personally did a pretty deep dive as it was happening to like yeah. keep up with the news, so I know quite a bit about it. I'm not sure Jacob. How did uh, there, you know? There's a
0: lot that I can remember. Um, I, I couldn't tell you the specifics right now, but I'm sure once I got into it, oh yeah, that's how they did it. Like it's one of those. It'll jog my memory. Uh, the biggest takeaway I had from that was that. Uh, Elon Musk came across as a pedophile, apparently. So, uh, no, he, sorry, he accused one of the guys of being a pedophile. That's right. Uh, Wow, this (laughs) took a whole new turn. (laughs) That I remember. I remember, yeah, he accused one of the guys of being a pedophile.
1: Okay. I do remember that. We may have to check this whole thing out.
2: (laughs) Well, that was in the documentary. Uh, It really, it really just. There's a lot of footage. There's a lot of footage in the documentary, which I kind of want to go back and know was some of this stage. Because if not, it looks like they had cameras recording during this whole incident. Not just news coverage, but people that were really, you know, boots on the ground. Some of the footage in this is amazing. The first time they find the kids and you get to see that actual footage, I just thought it was amazing movie i i like teared up several times i I got so much more out of it than i did just reading it on the news and seeing stuff on cnn the guys that did free solo which was another great documentary a few years ago did this and the best documentary i've seen this year i think it'll be up for best documentary come oscars it's amazing if you guys have a chance to see it check it out it might be streaming somewhere eventually but right now i was lucky enough to actually go see it in a theater here in l.a so, yeah, that's the, only, that's the only thing I really want to talk about. I also saw Deep Rising, which is a great 90s film uh, from the director, Stephen Summers, who did The Mummy. I was on a friend of ours' podcast, um, <laughs> The Rager. He has a horror podcast, and I got to revisit this movie. I love this movie. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's a just a big, dumb action horror movie that came out a week after the Titanic. Because basically, the movie takes place on a cruise ship where some monster has eaten everybody on the boat, and these team of mercenaries show up, and they literally have to try to figure out what's going on. Deep Rising, it's Steven Summer's second best film. Van Helsing's a little too much for me. G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra has some fun moments, but it's not very good. Go watch Deep Rising. I think it's, uh, it's streaming for free on Tubi, if you have a chance to check it out. It is a definition, in my opinion, of a popcorn, fun action horror movie. So have you guys, either of you seen Deep Rising? Nope.
1: No, I cannot
2: uh, say that I have. Nope. <laughs> not a, it has actually a great cast of like supporting characters. Uh, Famke Jensen, this was her first film after GoldenEye. And there's just a lot of great role players. Like you're, There's not one big star in this movie, but every other scene you're going to be like, oh, I know this guy. He's a great character actor. That makes for a very fun movie. So I recommend checking it out. Okay. That's going to do it for me.
1: Taylor? Um... Haven't watched too much this week. We finally saw No Time to Die. Yes, two days ago, as we're recording. We finally
0: this. got to see No Time to Die.
1: It was a huge swanky like premiere thing that I was not expecting it to be. There was a red carpet and champagne, and there were like violin. They went all players. out. <laughs> it was a whole thing, uh, which was super overwhelmed. Like I was not. We were not dressed for a premiere, but it was fine. We got free champagne, <laughs> so that was nice. Uh. As someone who's not a huge James Bond person, I have a couple of movies that I enjoy. This one was very middle of the road for me. There were parts of it I enjoyed. It was very much way too long for me. Uh, Story didn't quite work for me in a lot of ways, but it's definitely not the worst James Bond (laughs) film I've ever seen. (laughs) So, (laughs) Saw No Time to Die. Don't have a ton of great to say about it, but... I mean, you know, I'm I'm also not a Bond person, so I feel like I'm not the correct audience for a lot of this. I,
0: as someone who is a Bond fan, <laughs> uh, I was very, very mixed on it as well. Uh, it is way too long. Uh, it feels its length. It needed a. It needed a good at least half an hour off it. I, I just think there is. It's far too long. It go. It becomes quite stale in the middle. And then the third act definitely loses you. Uh, I think uh, I, I think the villain is is terrible. I, I think it's easily the worst villain in Daniel Craig's era, um, even worse than Quantum Solus guy, and I can't even remember his name. But I, it's so it, that's saying <laughs> something. Um, I, as the one person I think on the world, in, on the planet who actually does really like the relationship between Daniel Craig and Madeline, Madeline, like who actually does like that relationship and think that they do have chemistry and that they do work together as a couple, um, this movie really, like the whole movie hinges on that relationship and it didn't work in this movie because they were trying so hard to placate to the people who don't think that they work together.
1: Yeah. They were trying to do it both ways. Yeah. And,
0: and and, and it didn't, that didn't work for me. That being said, it's a Bond movie. There was a lot of really great moments. Um, The action sequences in the middle of the film are incredible. The, there is a really intense, uh, a car chase halfway through the movie that I was actually really into and really did enjoy. So I, the, like there's moments of this one, but it's, it's probably very middle of the road. If not one of his, his weaker films. Um, I, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not blown away by this and it's sad that this is the last Daniel Craig one that we're going to get. It didn't go out with quite the bang that I was hoping.
1: Well, and I think the problem is, Just from the perspective of someone who's not a huge Bond person, you have to win me over with each new movie. I just didn't appreciate where any of the character arcs ended up going in this film, especially with it being, I'm assuming, the last of at least a couple of them that we're probably going to see. Yeah. So, I don't know. I was a bit disappointed because the trailers had me really excited. Uh, I I loved the cast that we got, uh, and it just... The story arcs really fell flat for me. It felt like they were trying to do too much and none of it worked as a self-contained movie and then with it being Daniel Craig's last movie, to me a lot of it didn't work as well but that's fine. Bond doesn't mean that much to me so I think I'll recover. <laughs> I think I'll be okay. What did you I'll think? say
2: this about No Time to Die. I hate to repeat myself here but the movie worked for me for the first almost hour, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. I think all, all the way up to Cuba. After the Cuba scene, mm-hmm. and there's that time jump.
1: Yeah.
2: From that point on, the movie kind of just fell apart. And I, I was losing interest. Yeah. But the first hour or so, I said, this is going to be on par with Skyfall, Casino Royale. The, like, this movie is clipping. It's moving. The scene with him on the boat. I, I was just totally enwrapped in everything that was going on. And I said, this is going to be one of the best Bond movies. They did it. They actually did it. And then literally from after Cuba and the boat scene on, I was just like getting bored a little bit. And I agree with you. Remy Malek as the villain is horrible. Yeah. And he had some potential with that opening scene, which played almost like a horror movie. Yeah. I I, like, okay. I, I was
0: terrified. That opening scene, I thought, was really well done. I just wish we got more of that movie.
1: That that opening scene gave me one of the best jump scares outside of a horror movie. I think oh, I've yeah. ever gotten. <laughs> like <laughs> that
0: was yeah. There was a few, and and I think that's the thing that I'm most disappointed about is we got a Carrie Fukunawa film, and it didn't feel like it at all. Like I was I, I I remember when he first got announced, and I went, I will. Uh, when he first got out, I will believe that we have gotten a Carrie Fukunawa-directed James Bond movie when I hold the ticket in my hand and I'm sitting in the theater. Like, I I was I was convinced he was going to drop out of this project. Part of me feels like he did because I don't think he, this was the movie he wanted to make. I, I don't th- – there's a lot of this movie that feels – very studio influenced very and and then there's just other decisions that don't which I'm fascinated by like there's decisions that this film makes that feel like they are director-led decisions and then there's other decisions that feel like no you can't do that and I'm very fascinated by that uh that being said I it's it's a Bond movie so it's very hard for me to give a negative review of a Bond movie and I, I I would give this the barest of passing marks uh, it, it's, but it, I I did leave disappointed.
1: Do you want to briefly? Do you want to briefly touch on the other movie you got to see this week?
0: Uh, so the other movie I did get to see this week uh, was Red Notice. Uh, this is probably the worst movie, one of the worst movies I've seen all year. I hated this film. I haven't been this angry in a theater in a while. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Has two of the exact same movies out this year between this and Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife or Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard whatever, whatever it's <laughs> whatever it's called they are the exact same movie and that except this one's PG thirteen and it drives it, it's just so clearly and obviously the algorithm saying this is what you need and it just I, I hate those movies more than anything so don't watch red notice it's on netflix next week just don't watch it because it's terrible it is a genuinely terrible film but jacob
1: you need to watch it because the end of the film doesn't end it's oh yeah it's a sequel
0: movie it's a it's a it's a (laughs) there isn't an ending like it actually (laughs) doesn't end and then it just goes hey here's the sequel and you're like wait what what okay whatever all right
2: kind of kind of like dune (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <Can't>, n- <laughs> no, because Dune at least does kind of have an ending. Like, at the, to a degree, it does. This one mm-hmm. is just literally just, okay, we wrap this up. Now let's set up a sequel that is just literally just sequel baiting. And I I hated this movie. This is one of the worst movies of the year.
1: Well, thank you for that raving (laughs) review. I will be sure to never check that movie out. Thank you very much. I
2: will say, that reminds me of, I don't know if you saw this, and I saw it on a very boring day, Monster Hunter, the Mila Djokovic uh, based on the video game. That movie basically ends like, see you in the sequel. Yeah. Like, I was like, there was like no real kind of ending. It was just like to be continued. And I said, "There's no way in hell this movie is getting a sequel."
0: Yeah, the, there's the, no way. The, the sad part it. is this one's probably getting the sequel because Netflix are going to throw everything they can at this because it's got three huge names who are all terrible in the movie. <laughs> um, I wow. and also I'm really not the guy. The Rock is driving me up the wall. The Rock, I uh, yeah, Dwayne Johnson's. Project choices are fascinating, uh, to say the least, and I am not a fan of pretty much any of them. Uh, That I Black Adam is going to be the thing that is basically a. Am I a rock fan anymore or not? Because Mm. if if that movie doesn't land, I don't know if I'm gonna. Like at the moment, I, I count myself as I'm not a Dwayne the Rock Johnson fan at all. Like, I've not liked one of his movies. Uh, I'm trying to think what the the last movie of his that I liked. Jumanji? The first Jumanji, yeah. I think it's probably that. That's the last one of his movies that I could actually say that was enjoyable and I had a good time at the theaters with. That's Yeah, that's 2017.
2: You know what I wish The Rock would do? And this is what frustrates me is he keeps working with these directors who I think he's buddy buddy with, mm. like Skyscraper, St. Andreas, Jungle Cruise is the same guy who's directing Black Adam. I believe yeah. it's the same director. He's working with these directors who to me aren't really named directors. Why not start working with like some of the better directors in Hollywood that actually have a track record? The mm. only director like he really hooked up with was Michael Bay in the pain mm. and gain. And at least he had a different performance in that one. It was something different. I, I, I think, think he needs actually, to start I think, attaching. I think Pain and Gain is
0: a severely underrated film. Um, I, like I don't think it's I don't think it's great, but it's it's the most it's the most f-
2: interesting I've seen from Dwayne Johnson. Absolutely like he needs to start working. He needs to start working with some like high caliber directors. Like, I don't know why mm-hmm. he keeps working with these the people. Most... Like, I guess they're friends. He's like producing. He's like, hey, you can make my movie. I like the, you. The it's most like Adam ca- Sandler.
0: <laughs> Yeah. The, the most, most high cal- caliber director he's worked with is probably James Wan. And that was on a Fast and Furious movie. So we he sat in a bed for the entire movie. So I like I, yeah. All right. Let's move on to our feature review this week we are of course talking about Eternals
1: we have loved these people since the day we arrived when you love something you protect it
0: Directed by Chloe Zhao, the 26th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Eternals follows a race of immortal aliens as they emerge from hiding after thousands of years to protect the Earth against their evil counterparts, the Deviants. The film stars Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Kumail Nanjiani, Brian Tyree Henry, Selma Hayek, and Angelina Jolie. Taylor... What are your brief thoughts of Eternals?
1: Alright, so I think the first thing I want to say is the pacing of this film feels very deliberate to me in a way that I don't necessarily get with a lot of MCU films. I've seen a lot of people say that it's very slow. Uh, To me, it feels like it's pulled back because it has a lot of work to do. So it has all these new characters to introduce you to. It has to show you what their place in the MCU as it currently exists actually looks like, which takes some time because, you know, they've been around for, what is it, 7,000 years? Something Mm. along those lines. So it's giving you an introduction into the characters, where they fit into this universe. um, And I feel like it does a a very good job with that, especially with how many characters they are trying to juggle introducing you to and the history that they're trying to introduce. Um, I really thought it was visually exciting and I thought it introduced some new concepts into the MCU while still kind of fitting in with the style that that most people would associate with MCU. I think, um, I think it really does a good job of the trend that we've been seeing lately, which is just blowing this universe wide open, just making the universe and the galaxy bigger and introducing more opportunities for it to keep growing and and for bigger stories to come into play, which I thought was great. Um, And personally, I was just a big fan of romance being a through line of the movie. I feel like a lot of that, a lot of the time in bigger blockbuster movies, that kind of gets pushed to the side a lot. Um, And we got a couple of different romance stories going on in this one that I was very invested in um, I will say for how many characters it introduced I was very personally connected to quite a few of them I thought it did a great job in making me care even though there was a lot going on so I'm, I'm pretty pretty high on this movie I'm pretty overwhelmingly positive about most of what I saw
0: I, I'm i just going to jump off one thing you said one of my biggest issues with this film is you, you said that you connected to a lot of the characters. That was my struggle. I think there are too many characters. I I personally thought there were too many characters in the beginning introduced. I think there's too many Eternals, essentially. And I wasn't able to connect with them the way I wanted to with the story. Uh, That being said, the the first hour of this movie really didn't work for me at all. I, I was sitting there going... I I didn't like the time jumping. I I wasn't a fan of jumping back and forth. I I didn't think that the way that the story was being told was working at all. Uh, And I was quite, I was quite bored and not invested the way I wanted to be. Once we started to land on, okay, we're actually this, we're in a, where it's starting to get to the story uh that, that we'll get into it in spoilers but there's a scene where it's basically becomes the movie and I was like okay once we got there I started to really invest in it more um I invested in more into the plight of the two main characters essentially uh and I I did really enjoy it um so I'm a very mixed bag on this one. I think there is a lot that I, I loved about this movie. There is a lot that really didn't work for me. Uh, but overall, I am going to give it a positive review. It's absolutely... I, I, the one big thing I do love about this is it's probably the most filmmaker-driven MCU movie outside of maybe Iron Man 3 and the first Guardians film. Every, like, this is a Chloe Zhao film. You, you cannot deny that whatsoever. Uh, that being said, I do think that there are a lot of problems in the way that the film is told. And I think in the script, especially, I, I, I think the screenplay needed another round, uh, uh, another round of to just me, get the characters uh, to relate a bit more to the characters but overall, I thought the action is incredible. I think the, the the action filmmaking and the way that they have done the set pieces were absolutely incredible. I love that it didn't just feel like an MCU movie. It felt outside of the MCU while also feeling inside this world. And I do think, I, I, I do think that that worked to its advantage. Um, but yeah, I, I'm overall a, a little bit mixed. JTE, what do you think?
2: Yeah, this is a movie, I kind of compare this to, like, if say you have a favorite band, and you buy all their albums, and you're like, I love the tone that they always come out with, they always kind of have the same style of music, then they release that one album that's just a little bit different than all their other albums, they're trying something new, and, th- you know, sometimes those people who love that band are like, oh, no, I want what I've always gotten with every other album, it's like, but some people are like, you know what, I appreciate Them trying something different, a different pace, a a different rhythm, and that's really how I feel about this film. As I sat there, I agree with you. uh, Chloe Zhao really kind of puts her footprint on this movie. The style, the way it's shot, the romanticism, you know, this epic sweeping shots of nature. And I sat there and I said to this movie, "Okay, I I I see what you're going for, and I'm going to go with you." Because these aren't normal characters that you could just attach onto easily, kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy. It's so easy to jump on Chris Pratt's character and be like, oh, this guy's, you know, uh, he's in space, he's an American. These people aren't regular people. These are like gods in a lot of ways. This is like a Jack Kirby's kind of, you know, throwback to, you know, the Justice League. But these are gods. These are people who are literally set here, protect the Earth. They've been here for centuries Thousands and thousands of years, millions maybe. I can't remember how long they said they were there for. But it sounds like thousands. Um, so at that point, okay, I'm like, I can't just try to relate to these people on a normal level because I have nothing in common with these people. But as they be, continue to be on Earth and you, they start kind of becoming, as the movie goes along, they kind of start finding themselves. They each go to different parts of the world to be, kind of find themselves. It wasn't until later in the movie when you kind of catch up with some of these characters that you really get to know them. So I can understand maybe in the first half hour, even hour of the movie, you're having trouble attaching these characters. You might be a little bored by it. I'll, I'll be honest. Like the first 25 minutes, the first action scene, the movie kind of opens with the action scene. I was like, okay, okay. This uh something's a little off here. The action's not as kinetic as some of these other Marvel movies that we've watched. But the themes which really kind of carried those movie for me is what really made it different from any other MCU movie and kind of I was attached more to the theme than the characters at first. But then for me, as the movie continues, the characters I really grew to like. Like listen, there is a lot of characters. I have an IMDB page pulled up right now. There is a lot of characters in this movie. And you're not gonna be able to attach to every single one of them. But I think some people might be more attached than some than others. I think you're going to find something different based on, you know, what you bring to the movie. So, and Kumal is, uh, he's probably the one person who doesn't get as much depth as some of the others. But he does exactly what he's supposed to do. He comes in here and he's hilarious. His subplot, we'll get into the spoilers later, but I loved every time he was on screen. He was the comic relief. But all these other characters are doing, I think, really interesting things. I think maybe we get the spoilers. We'll kind of break down what I liked about each character and what they brought to the movie. But I agree, maybe it was a little slow to carry on. But I kind of went in with the headset. All right, this the themes are really kind of pushed forward in the beginning of the movie. And then those themes kind of merge with the characters as the movie goes on. And I just enjoyed the hell out of it. Again, I could understand people not... This is not what I signed up for when I went to go see a movie. This is not Shang-Chi, which is just a great martial arts fantasy film. This is really trying to say something a little bit bigger. It's a little bit more ambitious. And does it hit every single note perfectly? No, I don't think it does. But enough for me to really enjoy the film and not be like... I don't put it in the top of my Marvel. Like, if I was ranking Marvel movies, this wouldn't be the top, but it'd be in the upper middle. It's not not, not anywhere near the bottom. So for me, it was overall a pretty big success.
0: All right. Well, let's get into spoilers so we can have a real deep, Dive conversation about this one. So, spoilers alert, we are going to be di- diving headfirst into all of our discussions about Marvel's new film, The Eternals. So, you have been warned. Spoilers. All right. What, okay, so what is the big thing that worked for you in this movie, if you can go, with going into Spoilers, Taylor?
1: I guess the thing that worked for me, kind of right off the bat, was I really, and I don't, this is probably like a very stereotypical Taylor thing to grasp onto, if you know me at all, but really just having the romance storylines because there are a couple of them be the crux to me of this film of us getting introduced to Cersei getting her introduced into a real world that the audience can connect with in a kind of present-day setting and having her be in a relationship with Dane with Kit Harrington's character and then also getting the storyline of but she had this big sweeping Romantic love over thousands of years that we're eventually going to learn more about. Like the movie teases that that's oh no no she's trying to live her normal life but there's about to be some stuff that goes down and then you get Icarus introduced into the story uh, as as part of kind of that conflict and for me it just felt like it just felt like a breath of fresh air to me because we've had pre- plenty of romantic relationships in the MCU. But it just never quite felt like it was something that they explored to a full extent that this movie did for me. Because then you also have a relationship that I really liked a lot that we're just kind of scratching the surface of in this movie, which is Macari and Druig, which we kind of see at the end of the film kind of start to blossom into something. But I just think that romantic love is something that we just don't get a ton of in the mcu in in a very deep way and to me immediately i was kind of like i'm really interested to see that storyline in a marvel universe but i'm also interested because i think these characters who we get to see towards the end of the film kind of acknowledge that they're not humans they're not the people they thought they were they they've been made they've mm-hmm. been created synthetically and they're exploring do we have morality? Can we actually fall in love? What is What does that all mean? And I thought it was such a fascinating thing to kind of tie all that into with the romantic love, but then also the love that Cersei has for humanity, just how she falls in love with with this race of, of people, with this group of people. And it just, it's part of the huge sweeping themes that JTE kind of alluded to that really tied me to this film.
0: Yeah, so... To me, I think the crux of the emotion of this movie and the, and the, the uh, I, I guess, real connection that the film wants you to make is the betrayal of, between Cersei and Icarus. Yeah. That's the key relationship for this movie, and that's the one that didn't really work for me the most. Ooh. I think that that relationship, <laughs> I didn't buy... I, I, and, I, and it could just be because I she was happier with dale <laughs> so i like uh, and i think that may have been why it just that never that never worked for me so when you get the big giant betrayal it didn't hit the way i wanted it to or the way i thought it should and that's uh, 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 the, okay the way that the the big betrayal that he Betray that he is the one that caused Ajax to die. He's been manipulating them all through this entire thing because he believes that the emergence needs to happen. That didn't land for me. And that's, uh, and so I wasn't able to um, as be as emotionally invested in, in that final battle as I wanted to be because I didn't care as much about the sacrifice that Cersei's making in that film. Does
2: that, that make sense? sense?
1: <laughs> I mean, you're wrong, yeah. but it makes sense. <laughs> well,
2: I, I I can understand you, Cersei and Icarus. Like you, you're told they were together for like five thousand years. Mm. You see the glimpses of the love that they had for each other. I agree. This movie doesn't concentrate so much on their past. To me, what makes it more interesting is the fact that. Every one of these Eternals have to make a choice towards the end of this movie. And to me, that's the real conflict. Like, do we let this giant god explode to Earth so we can have birth to another Eternal, which would, you know, create life for billions of others? They And the team is split up. Uh, Kumal's character, Kingo, is not in the finale of this movie because he kind of agrees with Icarus. He's like, this is what we were sent here to do. I'm not going to be involved in it. And when the Richard Madden Icarus change happened i was happy because i had a a true villain for a little bit Mm because i do think the deviants at first are kind of like they're exposed quite easily in the very beginning it looks like they're just vermin that they have to attack then during the scene in the woods when they're visiting druid and they attack again and they are stronger and they're starting to absorb these powers again they're just monsters and at that point he kind of creates a face and a consciousness and he's like We're I'm just like you, Eternals. We were created to, you know, and disposed of by the gods. To me, that was interesting, but that was almost kind of like a side story. To really, the real villain is. Which is Richard Madden, and he literally becomes what Zack Snyder wanted to do with Justice League. He got his evil Superman. His evil <laughs> Superman <laughs> came out in this movie, and it was so interesting to see that because the best villains, in my opinion, and this is what I loved about Shang Chi, was when you kind of see the villains—they're coming from somewhere. They're not just you know twirling their mustaches to be evil. Richard Madden believes that he is doing the right thing at the end of this movie. He believes. He says it, and it kind of chilled my bones. He's like, I will kill every one of you. Like I, He's like, I love you. We're family, but I will kill every one of you if you get in the way of this eternal being born. And I'm like, that is a man who, you know, conviction is not there. He knows what he wants. And the theme of love is definitely throughout this film. And when we talk about the final moments of this movie, when she is about to take this eternal and turn him into basically a huge mountain, the only thing that keeps him from killing her is love. He can't do it. He can't kill the person he loves. And I agree, maybe if their love was a little bit stronger throughout the film and we had more kind of background for those two, that would have made more of an impact. But at the same time, I got what she was trying to say. I, and I, when I saw that moment, I was like, wow, you literally saved the world with love in this final moment. Even though he believed... What he was doing was right, he couldn't he couldn't kill her at the very end. And I think that's a cool theme. I think the theme of like this team of like you know gods who every time they did a flashback, I loved that because it really gave them a chance to show the scope of this movie and to show like how each one of these members is dealing with their place on this earth. I think Droog, played by Barry Keegan, has some of the best scenes in this movie. He really struggles because he has the power to stop these people in their tracks literally like turns everybody into his slaves which is not a good thing to do but like he wanted to use it to keep them from killing each other and doing horrible things and he breaks off from the group i think it's almost i thought i think most people if you're betting money you're like barry keegan is gonna do he's gonna turn on his team because he does it in every movie he's ever in he's always the guy who stabs you in the back and i just thought he did a great job of playing a character who just is really struggles with what's happening. And I think Ajak, I mean, Brian, Tyler, Henry, like everyone has to deal with it in their own way. And they're all responsible in a certain way with what's happening to this world. So I think at the end, they all feel some ownership to the earth because they've kind of been guiding it, especially Brian, Tyler, Henry, this, the shot with the hero Misha, I mean, her Misha, I can't say his word. Hero <laughs> her- Thank you. Um, Hiroshima like that's, that made so much sense for me story wise, and I saw that scene. And I was like, "Oh man!" Imagine, you know, Albert Einstein probably had the same feeling that Brian Tyler Henry had. Like he created something that caused millions of people to die. Oh, Oppenheimer. So, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, not Einstein. Oppenheimer. Well, did Einstein have something to do with it? Did he cr- create no, the
0: Oppenheimer is the one who created who he, he created the the who created the bomb. Yeah, and you know that's the I am become death. Like, that's oh, the, interesting.
2: his famous line. Of- I thought Einstein had something to do with it, too. Well, good for Einstein. I'm glad you didn't have to <laughs> <laughs> get involved in World War II. Oh. <laughs> but so, yeah. So, for me, that's just some of the things that worked in the movie for me. I think the romance is there. But, like, to me, it's not about the romance. Whereas it's just about love for humanity, love for other people. Uh, than just, like, this relationship between these two. I think...
0: There's uh, there's a lot of other little relationships that I do I really like and you know I think Sprite's character is amazing um, I think I, I think they gave her a, li- a really great little uh, a little side story of and motive and really interesting motive that is one that I don't think is explored enough in media of what happens when you're a child but can't age. We don't see that. And I really loved that. And I really loved the idea that she was in love with someone she couldn't have. And I, I think that that worked well. Um, the Yeah, the, the Hiroshima scene, I think, is a really fascinating one because it does it's probably the, the moment in our history that is the worst moment in our history of, you know, we, we as, a, as humanity were able to do this to each other. We, we were able to, um, yeah, to, to absolutely flatten, like to murder or to, to kill thousands of people in, in war because with just, with technology, a, a, a technology that can be used for great good and instead was used for great evil. I... I, I a problem, a, a thing that I think this film, I think Ajax and is felt within the film, but I think it also would fall under its own weight if she was in the movie more. Does that make sense? Like, I, I think it smartly takes her out very early because they need. If she's in the movie, I think it would fall under this its own weight of she knows too much. Information, and that's why she's taken out so early. Giving it to like Cer- Cersei is really the character that we're all meant to relate to, and that we are meant to grab onto the most and follow her journey. And I do think that Cersei is the best character in this movie. I think I definitely was on board with her relate her relate her, her um, character arc and her her story she, I definitely did very much in, enjoy and was following and like no I am on board with this one I just was not a fan of ju- the the opening 45 minutes where it jumps back in time and goes back and we see, and we we're, we're following one story Progressively, and then we're going back to, oh, no, this is how they all disbanded. I kind of would have rathered one or the other. Don't show them disbanding, and then reveal that through dialogue and not clips, or just show it all in one hit.
1: See, I disagree, because I wouldn't have just wanted a bunch of exposition. Like, I like yeah. when they show don't tell, rather than just standing around and okay. uh, being yeah. like, ah, oh, remember when we split up, and you did this, and... <laughs> You did that, but on another point, before we get any further, I would like to say I very strongly identify with Cersei having to look at Kit Harrington and Richard Madden and be like, oh no, who do I choose here, this is, this is a disaster, this is absolute just nonsense that I have to choose between one of these people, but anyway, please continue.
0: No, I, I, I Lex, I, I think, alright, so what do we think of the, okay, the big twist they're not there to protect earth they're there well they they are they're there to protect the egg that is earth what did we think of that root twist and reveal
2: yeah I think it's great I, I mean as you're watching a movie you're like is the deviance the only thing that they're really worried about and hmm. like what's going on with them to me this this really is where the movie really gets into deeper themes of like compassion you know what do we do what? the the ownership that they feel on this planet. I don't know. Apparently they erased their memories. So like they, they've done this before. I don't know if it's these exact eternals or they just, cause it sounds like Angelina Jolie's character, Athena has been through this before. And she has this thing where it's like this night vision where it's like night blindness, where she kind of just goes into this mad rage because she doesn't know where she is. And she's disoriented. The-
0: I thought I read that as she knows what they're doing and she doesn't agree with it, so she's killing all the eternals because
1: that's not how she- I read that at all.
0: Oh okay no when no when she okay when when she has the memories and she goes in a Berserker mode or whatever they call it, I can't remember that was her remembering that we destroy planets we we are the bad guys essentially. And I like that we're we're the harbingers of death, and she didn't like that, so she's like, "No, I need to stop this."
2: That's oh, see, not to, how I read that. Okay, at all. yeah. How did you guys read it? I read, read it, it as she is literally like just kind of ethereal, like she's an animal, like she doesn't know what she's doing, she doesn't know who she's looking at, she doesn't know who she's attacking. She just kind of goes into this zombie mode, almost like a autopilot of just kind of kind of like how Superman when he woke up from his death in Zack Snyder's Justice League he didn't know what was going on he didn't know these were his friends he was just attacking anything that was around him and to me that's kind of like what happens and Ajax says we have to erase your memory like we have to reset you because you're having these moments where you're just kind of you know leaving us and you're attacking us and you could kill all of us cuz you're kind of like our greatest warrior and So to me, that's how I kind of read that is like she's a danger to the team unless they reset her because she's kind of broken.
0: See, that's why I thought when when in the giant in the exposition dump scene, because I can't think of any other way to describe the scene with the Celestial that I, I when he's explaining that your memories have all been wiped every time you get your memories wiped when Ajax is saying we need to wipe her memory that's what I figured that that's what they were doing is that this time that she's going through the process early because she's remembering it early.
1: No, see, that's not what I got from it. Okay. What'd you get from it? I, I got from it that it doesn't work on her. Okay. Like they try to wipe her memory and it doesn't work. So she has these moments where she remembers. And then because she doesn't want to remember, her brain just shuts off and she doesn't know what she's doing. Like she is, she's like, Supermaning it, I guess, is what was Zack Snydering it. I don't know, whatever we're gonna call it. Where she, her, her mind is just fracturing because she does have those memories, but she's trying not to have those memories, and because it's so much, her brain just like she doesn't know what she's doing anymore. Like that's why someone she knows has to like touch her and get her to come back because she just has no connection to any sort of reality because her mind is just broken. In those moments.
0: Yeah, that's, sorry, I, I'm more meaning... I, sorry, I, I'm not meaning that she is conscious in making these decisions. But the reason why she's attacking and why she's doing this is because she is aware that that's what
2: that's what i that's how yeah. i read see, it See, that's not
1: how i see it okay. Yeah,
2: i'd have to see it again uh the thing is there's a lot in this movie oh, <laughs> there's yeah. a lot there's a lot to take yeah, in so. like i feel like i got everything for the most part in the first viewing it like a lot of people saying this movie's very dense it's hard to follow i felt like i didn't really have any issues following it like i know there's <laughs> a lot of exposition dumps here and there but that all worked for me. It was streamlined. I didn't leave confused. I felt like I kind of understood everything that was happening. Maybe yeah. some people just have different, you know, way of reading movies and some people just can't handle so much information. I don't know.
0: You mentioned this after we when we got out, JT, can I ask, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on rogue one? Love it. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. There we go. So when I got a, when we got out of this movie, I said to Jacob, I think the reason you have problems with this movie is why you also have problems with Rogue One. Yep. You have problems connecting emotionally to these characters mm-hmm. in the film. And you have the same problem with Rogue One, which is yep. why it's just an okay film with you, is because you, for some reason, just, I just cannot, cannot
0: I, uh, yeah.
1: emotionally connect those characters, which is your same problem
0: with this one. With this I, one. Like, which is I, fascinating I think, to I, me. I think that. I think that that is the crux of whether or not you can get into this film and whether or not you are someone who will walk out and enjoy this movie or not enjoy it is how do you feel about these characters? Mm-hmm. If you can connect with – there are a lot. If you can connect with the nine characters or maybe not all, all of them, at least, at least five of them, mm-hmm. at least, then you should really enjoy this movie. If you struggle, which – Again, some people will, some people won't. Uh, Then I think you're going to struggle with this movie.
1: Well, back to just kind of what JT was saying, though. I think it's kind of a little bit Marvel slash Disney's fault that people are, some people are reacting to the movie the way they are. A lot of Marvel movies, whether that's a criticism or not, are very like spoon fed, not Mm -hmm. very dense, like very formulaic. And this movie, I don't feel like falls into that in a lot of ways. I do feel like, I don't personally think it's a complicated film. There wasn't really anything I got lost trying to follow. But I do think it asks a lot of you if you're used to just kind of what a lot of Marvel movies are formulaically. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, knowing what I knew, knowing that Chloe Zhao was at the helm of it and kind of knowing that, it was kind of going to be a bit more complicated, I guess, or a bit more off the beaten path. I kind of knew what I was expecting going in, whereas I don't know if a lot of people had readjusted their expectations. I don't know if that's fair to say, but that's kind of how I felt about some of the reception. Not all of it. People are allowed to dislike a film and have problems with it, but I do feel like maybe that was a bit of a people weren't quite expecting it.
0: I I, I think I'm fascinated by the critical reception of this movie. I I think that's that's the thing that's kind of shocked me the most has been general audiences, yes. I would definitely expect that. General audiences, I would expect that there would be that divide of it doesn't spoon feed, oh, it's a bit deeper, it's telling a bit more, a, a bit of a deeper story. I am genuinely shocked by critics and the review community having that divide over this. Mm. That's that's something I, I am a little bit shocked about. Um, as someone who you know I'm giving. The, I, I would give this a positive review. I still think this is a, ve- a extremely enjoyable film. Yeah. I think it, it is by far not one of the lower Marvel movies. Um, you know, putting this in the same realm as the Dark World and Iron Man Two, and actually, that's kind of really it oh, for me. Oh, f- I, I need to rewatch Guardians Two, but at the moment, Guardians Two is down there for me. But like putting it in that area. I don't think it deserves that. At I, all. I, 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 that's
1: the part that confuses me. Like, I understand maybe feeling like this isn't your favorite one, but yeah. I, you know, I've heard some people say this is like a one-star film. It's the worst MCU yeah. film they've ever seen, and I really have a disconnect to that kind of reaction. Like, yeah. I I'm having a hard time processing that kind of reaction to it.
0: Yeah, I, I that that feels a little disingenuous to me. Of like, and. I'm not uh, – that feels – this was a movie we could – that this was the Marvel movie that isn't quite like any of the others so we can go after it. The kind of – the reaction this one's having feels very, very reminiscent of Iron Man 3. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, Iron Man 3 had a very divisive, very clearly-to-pick plot point in the middle of the film. You could pick to the plot point of this is why it's divisive this one doesn't really have that it's more the movie itself has this feel of it's more filmmaker driven it's more asking deeper questions it's more yeah, thematically but based I
1: guess that's why I'm a bit confused why and I know that rotten tomatoes isn't the end all be all but that the audience score is so high and the critic score is so low i feel like for a filmmaker driven film that should be generally swapped a lot of the time which confuses me but i do want to say because we could talk in circles about about that whole reception thing (laughs) all day like it's not going to matter i do want to say that um one of the things i really enjoyed about the film that i think is probably doing a lot of work in a very small way is having makari's character in the film and having some of the strongest lines in the film and some of the strongest ideas in the film come through sign language and come through moments of them speaking with her character specifically to me at least like Mm. you would get these these big moments and and she would be signing them and you'd have characters speaking and signing back to her and I just thought, like, it's just such a cool thing to see in such a, a big film like this and have a character. Like, I, I was really fascinated by her character. And I was, you know, it's, it's hard with so many internals, but I was hoping we would get more time with her. But you yeah. can say that about any character mm. in the film, really, at this point. And also, you know, we we've we finally got Marvel being like, you know what? No, we are not going to cut a certain storyline and character arc out of the yeah. film. We're not going to do it. We had an adorable gay couple slash family storyline that Marvel's like, excuse you, you can either screen this movie as it is or you can <laughs> get out. Yeah.
0: I was pleasantly surprised at not at, at just how woven in that storyline is that it isn't really cuttable. Like, it's, like, obviously the kiss you can cut, you could easily cut, and I'm sure that there probably will in some countries end up cutting that scene. But the whole dynamic of his character is that he is in a relationship with a human, who's the first one who, who, who has a child yeah and that's and
1: he's so tied to earth he is he is
0: tied to earth that no one else is and i i I did think that like brian terry henry has probably the best character arc in this movie and i thought that that was i i because he is someone who is clear who would be able to so clearly give humanity leaps and bounds before they ever could uh, like technology and um a world that is leaps and bound where they currently are, but they're not ready. And then, and, and okay. Am I the only one? Did the movie, do you think the movie imply that he gave them the technology to do the, the atomic bomb?
2: Well, from what I could tell, he kind of, he's like a muse. He, he gives them inspiration to build these things. He, he guides their hand in a lot of ways, like what their job is. So he didn't say, here's how to make atomic bomb. But throughout history, by him teaching them to make different things throughout history, you know, humans came to their own point where they could make the atomic bomb. So, like, if I didn't give them this technology, if I didn't give them this inspiration throughout history, it wouldn't have concluded with the atomic bomb. That's how I read it.
0: Yeah. Like, because I read it as, not that he literally went, here is how you make the worst weapon imaginable, but he... Gave them that this is how you have sustainable energy. This is how this is something you can use to make to have you know sustain sustainability for the for the planet. And instead, they made a weapon of mass destruction. And that and that's where I think he that that's where I think that character worked really really well. And then, uh, but the, uh, I I think that. His the way that they handled his whole relationship and his family, I thought was was very smart and very well done, and I'm I I, I was genuinely shocked at how they ha- how well they handled that.
1: Yeah, no, I I was too. I wasn't quite expecting there to be so much kind of tied. You know, his char- that that's a huge part of who we see his character as in the film, especially when we circle back to what we've kind of all talked about, which is, you know, they've all fallen in love with humanity. Him, literally. like, And it's become such big parts of who they are, um, which is fascinating to explore. One thing I wanted to ask you guys, because it was was interesting to me. How did you guys feel about the storyline where... Cersei, you know, is clearly chosen as the next leader, but mm-hmm. they all still just want to follow Icarus, like, naturally. Like, how do you feel about that storyline and how it was handled?
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, Richard Madden is basically Superman. That's, he's the guy they all look to when they're in battle. He's the one who cleans up and takes takes care of everybody. But Ajax chose Cersei, and I think that's, you know where the buck stops if Ajax decided that she was going to be in charge that's where the rest team has to go with now kumal is like team icarus so is sprite team icarus because they both one really likes them the other one's secretly in love with them but she was given the little gold thing that goes into her neck so you know case closed i'm the one that got the little gold thing so for me because these are again these people have known each other for thousands of years uh for me it just kind of worked and it doesn't really come down to there at the end of the day they are answering to a much bigger thing than themselves both physically and you know when it comes to themes like this thing the celestials what are they called
1: celestials celestials
2: thank you celestials they look like Galactus. I mean, they're huge. <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna lie. When when
0: at the end, I went, "Oh, that's gonna how they're gonna do Galactus." I, I'm convinced that Galac- mm-hmm. Galactus will not be Galactus. He Galactus will be a celestial,
2: and that's yeah. how they explain it. 100. percent. So. For me, I had no real issue. I know the you know the team at times is like, well, shouldn't Icarus be like the one? But you know, just because you're the strongest, most powerful doesn't make you. It's more about what's going on upstairs. Like, do you have the brain? Do you have the passion for these people? I think Icarus shows he's a military guy straight through. Like, he'll follow his orders to you know the end of the line for the most part. Whereas Cersei, you know, actually was able to grow and change and. Actually, use thought and love and compassion into all her decisions. Whereas Icarus, uh, he was like, "Nah, man, I'll, I'll do whatever I need to do to take this, to get this thing born out of the earth." Well, I, I felt
0: it was more. At at first, I think that that is a little bit. It's a bit of a shock. Like it's a oh, okay, Cersei's been made the leader instead of even though the entire crew. Once you get the reveal that she knew he killed her it makes sense. Like it's, Oh, okay. This was, this was Ajax's way of making sure earth stayed protected because she knew that Cersei wouldn't destroy earth. Like she knew that Cersei was like her who had, who had, who had fallen in love with earth, but had also decided that their mission is, wasn't worth it. We we are essentially farmers and it's not worth it. um, the irony: mean, a movie that does this same plot is is Jupiter Ascending. It does it, it, it does it's the it's a movie that does the exact same plot, and however, you know that that movie is isn't more about the people who are farming them deciding we're not going to pr- help this anymore. It's just more about let's stop them from doing it, but. Yeah, the, the the farm using Earth as a farm is is uh interesting that that, keep, that that's coming up again in Hollywood. Um especially from a movie that's as decried what as Jupiter Ascending.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, funny. I think I watched half of Jupiter Ascending. I don't think I watched the second half, so I couldn't even tell you what happened after a certain point. Uh one thing I'd like to say about this movie is I think going in, you know, the trailers didn't make it look like what I would call a fun time at the movies. It looked very serious, very epic in scale. I found the movie to be very entertaining throughout. I, I mean, Kingo, Kamal Najani plays a guy who's an actor. It literally is like he, I played my grandfather, my great grandfather, my father. I thought that was so funny. And then the MVP of maybe this movie, his assistant Karan, who literally is videotaping the whole thing for like a documentary. He's been with Kingo for 50 years that guy stole almost every scene he's in in this movie. And I loved him in it. And I love Kumal bringing that sense of humor. And, you know, there's one point where they even get to YouTube videos. He's like, I don't do it for the views, man. <laughs> and yeah. I was cracking up as somebody who's been in the YouTube space. I just love that whole angle. That
0: was the most Marvel the entire movie felt. That was, oh, this is Marvel. Like, uh, the entire time with that entire plot point, was, it felt like um, eh, uh, Taika's character in Thor, Thor, Ragnarok. Um, Korg. It felt like Korg. It felt like, oh, okay, this is the yeah. comic relief moment in the movie, and I can get if, some, if it didn't work for a lot of people, because if they're going in for the more serious movie and the more filmmaker-driven stuff, I get it, because that, that is... Definitely Marvel, but it worked for me. I thought it was very funny.
1: I mean, I do. To be fair, I do think that even outside of Marvel movies, there should be some form of comic relief in a movie like this. Um, But also, I think I thought it was it was funny because I do think it's relevant. Like there are so many people who, you know, if if even even if you're not a movie critic or you're not a huge you know content creator, like people understand doing stuff for views (laughs) and like making stuff for the internet and like i just thought it was a very relatable thing you know we kind of talked about how a lot of these characters aren't necessarily relatable because they're gods but i think that that's a huge way to to kind of get the audience into the film of giving a perspective they know and also i think the idea of uh, like a seven thousand year old god coming to earth and being like this YouTube gig—that's that's what I'm—I'm I'm gonna get into get into that whole thing. That seems like a—that seems love, like a good time.
2: Kamal says like Karan thought I was a vampire for the first few years because he wasn't <laughs> aging, and I thought that was hysterical. Yeah, I just—I I thought it worked. I think you need that—you know—levity in the movie with something that you're dealing with these big godlike people and the earth destruction you need something to just bring you down bring you some comedy like I also thought Brian Tyler Henry was you know had some funny moments uh, Makari had some funny moments with her I think also, you know, a lot of the side characters outside of the Eternals, I thought Ken Harrington was very charming. I was like, man, Mm -hmm. I wish he was in the movie more. I was like, I can't wait to see where they go with him. And uh, Ma Dong-Suk, I hope I pronounced that right. He was in Train to Busan. I thought the relationship between him and Angelina Jolie's Athena was really good. They had a good back and forth. The way, you know, Sprite could like use her magic to like make people. At one point, she makes them like a giant baby. All this stuff just worked for me. Like, I, I don't know what to say. And I, being in the IMAX theater, people, I felt like the audience was all on board. I, and I, a lot of the word of mouth leaving the theater for me was very positive. Uh, it had great action, great scale. It had some actual, you know, meaningful themes. It was funny. Yeah. The movie, for the most part, did what most Marvel movies do. They kind of deliver on everything you kind of want out of a movie in a lot of different ways. Now, again, this is different than those other movies. This is not Guardians of the Galaxy where there's a hit song playing every few minutes. There's a joke every 10, 30 seconds. Uh, but I like that about this. And also, you brought up the point of, like, you know, we kind of relate to it with certain things that Kamal was doing. It me of Shang-Chi when they're doing the great bus sequence. And the guy has his phone out, and he's just like doing commentary, like world star commentary. And I was like, "Oh man, he's, Marvel knows what they're doing. They're they they know who their audience is and what the kids are doing these days." And I think they do they do a really good job of inserting it in their movies, like Shang Chi and this one. So let's just get
0: to we're doing spoilers. So let's get towards the ending because mm-hmm. we like, let's just talk. Um, I'm just going to say if you had told me. Uh, a year ago. when, Or if you had told me when we were at Comic-Con and the entire cast were on stage that uh, two, of the, two of these cast members are going to die and not be in any more films, Angelina Jolie would have been high on my list of, <laughs> oh, she ain't coming back. <laughs> She's our one and done. Nope. Angelina Jolie is coming back and is probably going to be a very important part of the MCU going forward. Genuinely shocked by that, <laughs> uh, I, and I, look, I, I thought the ending with Arisham coming back and being he not happy and grabbing uh, Cersei and uh, Brian Terry Henry and uh, Kamal's whose character's uh, name I, I've forgotten, uh, grab, uh, grabbing them and going, okay, you've now got to prove why humanity is worth it set up a very interesting dynamic going forward. And I'm very fascinated by where the MCU goes with this, because I do think that that's an interesting concept.
2: Yeah, I I agree. You know, to me, you're always wondering how are these movies going to end? Sometimes a giant blue laser coming out of the sky, you know, that's Trump's been used so many times. you know, I think Marvel is trying to find an interesting way to not make their movies completely predict- predictable. The scale of seeing a hand coming out mm. of the ocean was like on an IMAX screen was kind of... I was My mouth was like... Oh, it was awe-inspiring. My mouth was wide open. I was like, this is the kind of level that we haven't really gotten a lot of these Marvel movies. Obviously, Endgame, you have the giant fight at the end. Infinity War was a bunch of that. But for this to be a standalone movie and to deal with, like, the Earth is about to explode because it's about to give birth to this giant (laughs) space god, like, I just love the scale that this movie was working at. And Chloe Zhao did a great job, I think, of filming these scenes and feeling the weight and the heaviness of these gigantic hand coming out of the ocean. Uh, to me, that is why you go see this movie on IMAX screen is because of the spectacle. And that's what Marvel does so well is spectacle. And I think this movie does it in a different way than we've seen really in any of our Marvel movies. And to me, to have this little final fight scene between the Eternals Which, again, I keep saying this. This was the Superman against the Justice League. I mean, you watch these characters. Athena is basically Wonder Woman. Makari is Flash. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Richard Madden is Superman. Like... Jack Kirby is the one who wrote these Eternals. You could tell, like he, you he, he knew where he was pulling from. This is basically Marvel's Justice League of Gods. These are not just regular people with like powers. These are not people in the suit of iron. This is not a guy who got a super serum. These are a guy. These people are on a whole nother level, and it really ups the game for what Marvel can do going forward. Like introducing these characters to this universe. It's, it's going up a level, man. We need to start seeing Silver Surfer flying through here. We need to start getting some of these more godlike characters because it's not just Earth anymore. It's not just, you know, Guardians took us out of Earth. It really, mm. kind of was the first time the MCU left the Earth. Now we're on a whole other level of existence with this movie. And to me, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's opening so many doors of possibilities for the Marvel and MCU franchise could go. The multiverse is still something that's not even touched on in this movie, and it seems like it's going to be a big part going forward, especially with Doctor Strange, Spider Man. I'm curious if Thor is going to have the Zach going to jump into the multiverse. Maybe that's why uh, Natalie Portman character is Thor. Maybe she comes from another multiverse. So I have a lot of just feeling things. it's
0: going to tie more into this. I have a you feeling so? we're going to have. Two, I, I think I think going forward, the MCU is going to have two kind of two different tracks. Mm-hmm. The Earth-based stuff is going to be multiverse. The eth- and then the anything that... The more cosmic stuff is going to be Eternals. Hmm. Going cosmic. Going full Jack Kirby nuts.
1: Maybe. I, I mean... Yeah. Well, well, I'm...
2: Kum- Kumal's character yeah. says Thor used to follow me around when he was a kid. <laughs> I thought that yeah. was great.
1: I mean... So that could... Thor could jump into kind of more the cosmic yeah. side of everything. That's That would make sense. I do... I am interested... I'm just since we're here, I'm just going to jump into this. the The first post credit scene mm-hmm. definitely ties us into
0: where we're going where next. We're going. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, all right. So let's. Yeah. The the, the first post credit scene, uh, where we officially get, even though uh, Variety spoiled it about a month and a half ago,
1: decided to be a bunch of assholes and decided, mm-hmm.
0: hey, we're just going to spoil this. Uh, Harry Styles is officially in the MCU as. Damn eros the brother of thanos Yes, i thought i, I thought the way they did that was brilliant of of that. just the build of like
2: <laughs> well it opens up had... with like a harry potter character i was like
0: who is oh, this yeah, little was, guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I thought the way they did that of we have clearly cast someone like i i it, it was so clear and obvious they had cast someone in this and it was teasing who is it and then
1: you get the reveal reveal
0: of who it is um i thought that was really well done um and i thought was very entertaining it was just very funny pat as pip the troll was very funny uh i i i think the post-credit scenes worked great
1: well there was clearly a guy in our theater who is very much not a fun person i'm just gonna say that (laughs) right out the bat, because as soon as Harry Styles popped on the screen, all I heard from behind me was, oh, fuck off. And I was like, dude, clearly you only know him from One Direction and haven't seen that he's actually, like, cast in movies because he's, like, decent and a very at tal- this.
0: Very
1: talented at- uh, because he's decent at this. So you need to chill out for, like, five seconds and let us enjoy that we're getting this moment. <laughs> you need to just stop it right now. I'm very excited about this. Like, I, I think it's inspired casting because it's not something I ever would have predicted if you're like, I just never, I never would have put money on it. So I'm very excited to see what that's going to look like.
2: Well, he's playing the character of Eros, which he says is the brother of Thanos. Now they don't look alike. So I'm guessing it's a brother through like some sort of royal thing. I'm guessing as well. I'm not
1: I don't know, but that's why I'm just like, all right, <laughs> sign me up to figure out what the hell is going on here. But I he doesn't that.
2: seem like the character who's like, I'm ready to balance the universe. He seems like he's coming in. He almost feels like he jumped out of a Guardians movie. Like, he felt yeah. very fun, you know, having this little, I don't know what that guy was, the little Patton Oswalt <laughs> troll dude. Like, it was like a very kind of cool, fun kind of vibe. It didn't feel like... You know when I heard, listen, I also got spoiled by Variety. They basically yeah, yeah. said Harry Styles is playing Eros. They even said the character's name and yeah. who he, the brother of Thanos. I was, you know, my brain expecting like this dark, brooding Harry Styles to come out, be like, "I'm ready to take over my brother." a plan, but no, he's like, "Hey, you know, my brother was kind of a dick, but I'm cool. <laughs> let's, let's let's have some beer." So, I just went onto the Wikipedia
0: for the, for mm-hmm. this character whose nickname is Star Fox. Yep. Um. And he, the the reception line is amazing. Uh, Newsarama ranked Star Fox as the fifth worst Avengers member, describing him as most notable for his reputation as a weirdo on the street and a creep in the sheets.
1: Oh. Wow. <laughs> well.
0: Harry
2: Styles indeed.
1: <laughs> Are we... I mean, guys, I think we're ready to make the jump. We got... In this Eternals movie we got like half of a naked shoulder yeah. during a quote unquote <laughs> sex scene that everyone's mad about. I think we're ready for freaking the sheets Harry Styles. I think that <laughs> jump is I think we're ready. Yeah. I think we're going there. Yep. But it's on a serious there. note, on a serious note, if this is gonna be like kind of a cosmic versus Earth-based thing and we get Eternals and Guardians and possibly even whatever's going on with Thor, I would love to see Harry Styles' character and Patton Oswald's character. And Makari and Druig and whatever the Guardians have going on kind of be in a in a movie. Like I think that would be such a cool dynamic Mm. to get that going on. Yeah.
0: I I have a feeling, look, I don't think we're gonna get Avengers four or five anytime soon.
1: No, I don't think so. I think we're getting
0: these type of movies where they're crossovers between two or three characters and it will lead to at some point doing the big giant crossover. But I don't think we're getting one anytime soon. Uh, but then we got the second post-credit. I uh, I was so confused, mostly because I'm not. I don't really know the comics that well. But uh, yeah, we we get Kit Harrington opening up a sword, uh, seeing seeing a sword and being. Uh, what was the
2: inscription on it again? Um, there was. It was like a family crest kind of thing on the case. Yeah, that's something it up.
1: about death. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, think think I like like death
2: awake seems to be like yeah. the reflection had some sort of like moving, like some sort of like spiritual moving thing inside of it. I'm not quite sure what was happening there.
0: Yep, and then we get the off-screen voice of one Mahershala
2: Ali. Yeah, please officially.
1: Officially welcoming Blade, Blade into, into
2: the, MCU. <laughs> the MCU. What a way to do it! I, I didn't know yeah. who it was. I remember I didn't either. I looked over at April and I said, "Whose voice was that?" And then the next day, or the other, I think yeah, the next day, I'm like, "Oh, there's an article online from Fandom, uh, Eric Goldman, who I used to work with, saying." Oh, that's Mahar Ali. That's Blade telling him. I think he says, "You sure you want to do that?" or something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Be, it, it's it's a warning. Like I, I remember. Yeah, it's yeah. like be careful what you're doing or something.
1: Like or like yeah. you're not ready for that or.
0: Something. Yeah, there's something like that. But um, yeah, I like again. Blade is officially in the MCU. I mean, it, I'm curious. I have a gut feeling he is. Somewhere in one of the one of the next things coming up, um, possibly Spider Man, possibly
2: um,
1: Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. I believe like he's, I,
2: he's the, in one of them. I believe there was a news article this week that he's going to appear on one of the Marvel shows. I think Moon Knight, apparently, before Moon he Knight shows up make in a the movie. Most sense.
0: Mo- Moon yeah. Knight would make the most sense. Um, the other one that would make somewhat sense but i would highly doubt that marvel will allow it be would be mobius mm. Ugh. um Please that would make God, no. <laughs> that would that would make I mean, the yeah. most sense but i don't think it's gonna happen I'd, i would be shocked if marvel allowed his first appearance as blade yeah, nah. in a sony movie instead of
1: in a sony movie that has been
0: uh, uh, yeah so pissed. we'll we'll see um but yeah I... sent
1: to die essentially <laughs>
0: I, I look let's uh let's start to wrap up our All thoughts uh JT, what are your overall
2: thoughts on Eternals and where 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 does it land for you like I said it lands in the not in the middle but the upper middle it's not like top five it's not that high but for me overall thoughts I, I just had a really good time with it I kind of went in with the right mindset I gave myself up to the movie. I was able to attach to some of these characters and what they were going through, knowing they're not just regular humans. And it's not going to be as easy to attach to these characters as it would be, you know, Steve Rogers. Anybody could watch First Avenger and be on board with Steve Rogers. Like, yes, this little guy's super jack now, and he's awesome. He's a good kid. He's jumping on grenades. Of course I'm rooting for this guy. Uh, this movie is a little bit harder. You know, these are not gods. These are... I think it did help that you cast somebody like Angelina Jolie, Salma Hayek, you know, Kumal. You hire these big actors who are really loved outside of their characters, and I think that helps you attach to their characters a little bit quickly, as if these were all, like, people we didn't know who they were. If these were, like, no-name actors, it might be a little bit harder, but I think, you know, that Marvel has the money to be like, hey, Angelina Jolie, will you be in this movie for, you know, a good portion of it? And we'll have Salma for a little bit, but then we'll kill her off, but It helps. All that really helps. And I think also Brian Tyler Henry. uh, The girl who played Sprite, Leah McHugh, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Mm -hmm. I thought she was great. I hadn't really seen her in anything before this. But I thought she really kind of made the role her own. She's doing the Crimson Dunst thing from, you know, Interview a Vampire. I want to be a grown up. And they totally... Fix this, cause I'm like, oh man, we might have to do a sequel at some point. We gotta explain how she's gonna be older in the next movie. So they basically turn into a human at the very end. Like, all right, now you could be in the sequel and you could be older, and it makes <laughs> sense now. Um, so yeah, overall, I think this is a different. It's a different groove for the MCU. It's a different style. It's different than anything they've done before. But at the same time, the things I love about the MCU are all in here. There's humor. There's great characters. There's great epic scenes. This guy is shooting lasers out of his eyes. Icarus is shooting lasers out of his eyes. <laughs> like, this is a Marvel movie. Uh, don't kid yourself. <laughs> you, I mean, Angel is making, like, weapons like Doctor Strange style. She has axes and shields. Yeah. another thing I want to mention is, though, Icarus. Let me ask you. I got two questions for you. One, did Icarus die? He flew into the sun, but we never officially see him die. We never see... We don't see him disintegrate. I think he does. I, I think he, he, he does. He came out and
1: was like, oh, I can't believe they killed off Icarus. And I was like... Hmm? Did they? <laughs> Absolutely, they did not. I, there is no proof that he actually like is dead. This is Marvel. I'm not going <laughs> to believe it. Like, yeah,
0: like, like I said, look, <laughs> I I think he is because you don't name a character Icarus without him flying into the sun. Like, okay, I, but, I, I okay, but
1: here's my retort. Mm. He's synthetic.
0: I yeah, I know. Like,
1: there's like, no reason. There's no reason that a celestial couldn't be like, I ah, know you don't.
0: I wouldn't be shocked if I wouldn't be shocked if he comes if Richard Madden comes back. I wouldn't be shocked if he comes back as a different Icarus, different
1: uh, eternal. Well, yeah, like,
0: the, like like a rebuilt Icarus <laughs> yeah. that isn't the one that went into the sun. Like I wouldn't be shocked by that, but I I do believe that the one that that went into the sun is dead.
1: Well, you're boring, but all right. <laughs> I did too. I Um, yeah, so, I think, just, I, my, my biggest takeaway at the moment is I can't wait to sit down and actually watch this movie again, um, because I really, really enjoyed it a lot, and I would love to see how it plays a second time, um, just knowing what happens in it now, and just getting to kind of maybe catch some of the things that maybe I missed out on, because there are a lot of characters you're getting introduced to, and, and just, Getting to enjoy it again because I do really love all the characters we got introduced to. I did really feel connected to all of them, um, and I just love the overall theme of of love, whether it's romantic love, whether it's these gods falling in love with humanity, and kind of for the most part doing whatever it takes to protect that, um, and just just that that theme of, you know, the these gods are figuring out what their identity is mm. and and what matters to them and and making these kind of huge decisions that are going to affect the entire universe and and just the grand scale of that while also tying it into things that we all relate to like i said love friendship having your own kind of identity um and yeah i just i really enjoyed it it's definitely top half of marvel somewhere for me i think it's I hope we get more movies like this in terms of filmmaker driven like I hope we continue to to kind of get some of those even if you know it's not the main <laughs> movies yeah. even if they're more of kind of offshoot movies I, I hope we continue to get kind of projects like this because I think it really does a lot for for Marvel as a whole I think it blows the doors open on a lot of things and, and gives you some of those bigger themes that maybe you don't have time to explore in like an Avengers movie or or something like that. Um. I think probably, there's a lot of scenes that I I love in this movie, but I think probably the scene at the end where, um, you know, she she is on the giant hand and you just see her on the ground, like, trying to put all of her power and energy into this surface that she's on. And then it pans out and you just see how gigantic Mm -hmm. it is compared to her. And the other scene that I think does that very well is when she first is able to transport herself and you see her in front of just the giant Celestial and just how massive it is because it just zooms out and you can barely even see Mm -hmm. Cersei on the screen. Um, And I just think that the way that Chloe Zhao and the cinematography team put that together in terms of scale and how they decided to show just how massive this this, you know, universe is. And and even as the gods that we're introduced to in the story, even they're tiny <laughs> compared yeah. to what we're about to deal with. I thought was amazing.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think what, what Chloe does with scale in this movie is insanely incredible. Um look, overall I think this is a middle tier Marvel film that is that has some really great elements and stuff that I really do love. I just wasn't able to connect with the characters to the way that um, I wanted to and I wasn't able to fall in love with these characters the way that I have in other films uh, like this. And uh, But I still think it is a very, very good time at the movies. I think that there are so much there is so much in this film that is worth seeing and worth seeing on a big screen that um, is just absolutely the, the spectacle and the um, size of the film are absolutely incredible. The cinematography is gorgeous. Um, yeah, th- this is probably one of one of those movies that I think that you you definitely should go and see in a theater as as if you like as, on a bigger screen as you possibly can. Um, a scene for me that I think like if if I'm just gonna point to a scene because like. I, th- You've kind of grabbed the other ones because uh, I, I I really loved I really really loved the um, celestial exposition dump. I think like as much as it's an exhibition exposition dump, it is this is the MCU. This is this is the cosmic world that we are about to get. Um, so I that that's one that I would that I really loved. Another one that I do think is. Kind of, I, I, I think, important for the future of filmmaking and for the future of where the industry and where we as a society are going is, I, I, is the scene where they first go to T- Brian Tyree H- Henry's house. Mm-hmm. I think that is a such a watershed moment of cinema in terms of just how casual it was um and like I, I i the kiss was maybe a little he- heavy-handed in the way that it was handled but at the same time so was three other kisses by same by different heterosexual by heterosexual, se- by heterosexual <laughs> characters yeah. so i'm not going to criticize the movie for that um so I, like i i'm yeah i i think that that scene is probably one of the most important that we're going to get in hollywood this year and if not going forward so that scene
1: p- piggy banking off of, like i think the scene at the end where he's like you were no your babysitting duties have been revoked like <laughs> you just we don't we don't talk about that like it was just such a relatable yeah. like moment of your friends being like you are corrupting my child yeah. just no just no. everyone get out <laughs>
0: um so yeah overall i I think it's a very very good movie and i am glad i saw it i I think i think
1: everyone should go see it for themselves yes independent of anything that any of us have said independent of any reviews that have been posted i really think a movie like this in particular especially in the mcu is one that everyone should go see for themselves yes like it's it's very Clearly, because of how divisive it is and how people feel about it, I really think it's one of those films that reading reviews is not going to help you decide if you should go see it or not. Like, I really don't think it is.
0: All right. So, uh, JTE, where can people find you online? Uh,
2: Twitter, at JTE Thinks. That's basically it, really. Tell?
1: Uh, Twitter, Instagram... Letterboxd, YouTube, everywhere on the internet. At finally tailored,
0: and you guys can find me pretty much everywhere on the internet at Jacob London, JTE. Do you want to let us know what
2: are we reviewing next? <sighs> well, week? I think we still have to decide. There's a couple movies uh, you've seen. Red Notice. I've not seen that yes. yet. Uh, that's an option. Also, a lot of people are praising the new Netflix movie, The Harder They Fall, with Aegis Alba. Ooh, we could do that. Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll even do a double. We'll see. Maybe we, you know, if, uh, if we hate Red Notice as much as you, maybe we could just shit on that for a few minutes, and then move on to the real review, which is the harder they fall. So, but who knows? Maybe I'll come out and be like, you know what? Red Notice was a good time. I had a good time with it. And we could have that discussion. <laughs> but it probably be one of those two movies. You know, stay tuned. We'll uh, definitely have something to be reviewed.
0: Well, guys, thank you so much for checking out this week's episode. If you can, please leave a a review on the iTunes and Spotify websites and and please give us a rating out of five and share it with your friends. Let everyone know that this is where they can find their reviews for all the latest and greatest movies coming out at the cinemas right now. Until next time... I'm Jacob London on behalf of Taylor Robinson and JTE. This has been film review week.